Well, thank you, Katie. She was fighting through some allergies today, and she stepped up and did it. Well done. Well done. <laughs> the, um, before I get into the lesson this morning, let me just talk to the green dots. That's what I call the cameras, because that's where 99.9% .9 of our folk are. And you may have seen in the newsletters, although I know some people don't read them, <laughs> that there is... A family meeting after today, we're going to stay here for lunch and then a family meeting, just talking about where we are, everything from financially to how far we've spread to what our workers do, and we're aware that many of you can't get here. Well, for several weeks, we put in a newsletter asking for questions. We didn't get any, uh, but, but we assume there'll be some. We're not broadcasting that meeting live, and the reason is because I said not to. Uh, it will be posted, but what we are aware is not everybody works on a stage. When they stand up and a mic gets there, sometimes we might say a, a name when we shouldn't, or we might get a figure wrong. We just want it to be perfect. So after we're done today, we'll have a look at the video, make sure everything in it is accurate because we're a 501c3. We want to be pristine. We want to be absolutely open absolutely transparent in what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it. So we want to make sure there are no mistakes. And that's all the reason is. When you go live, there are, this is why they tape TV. And if you're thinking, no, they do reality TV, you need to redefine the word reality. Uh, it's not. So that's why. All right. That said, what Katie just read out of Romans chapter 6 we often use just as a baptism practice, uh, rather a passage, but it is actually a series of declarative statements. And if you focus on baptism, you, which is fine to do, you will miss a lot of what is stated as real, active, and now in our lives. So, the practice of baptism, by the way, wasn't new. It had been done for, for centuries and centuries and centuries by the time the New Testament opens. And we see John the Baptist baptizing people in the River Jordan. Why were they being baptized? Well, it wasn't to be saved because as Jews, they considered themselves already saved. They were repenting of their sins, but that's not really what baptism was about to them. It was a ritual cleansing of their sins. And so later in the New Testament, it'll even have to be said, baptism's not a putting away of the filth of the flesh. And, you know, it's not a washing of the body. There's something else going on. When you were baptized during this time, you were declaring that you were following a certain teacher. That that teacher was the one who would be your rabbi. And that's why later on, Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 would even look at the church there and say, well, wait a minute, were you baptized to Apollos or to Cephas or to Peter or, or, to, or to Christ? To whom were you baptized? So yes, there was a repentance and forgiveness action. But the main action was declaring who you were going to follow, your statement of loyalty. 
And that was especially important in the first century because there were a lot of competing rabbis leading in different directions. And we won't go into that today, but uh, for example, the rules of divorce. One very famous rabbi at the time, super, super strict. Another one, super, super not strict. And you had all in between. And so people would say, which rabbi do you follow? It's almost like saying, what church do you go to? But it's not. And so I just be aware, baptism was more and less what, than what it is today. When we are baptized into Christ, we are declaring our allegiance to him above all others. And that all others means all others. We do not try to vote ourselves in a savior. We do not try to uh, allow anybody else to run our lives. It doesn't matter whether they're from Hollywood, London, or D.C. They don't get to. We follow Jesus. He is our rabbi. A rabbi was not just a teacher. The rabbi is the one who interpreted theology and explained God to you. Well, we want Jesus to tell us about his father. We want Jesus to interpret theology. We want Jesus to tell us what God meant when something was said or done. We want, we want Jesus. And in fact, we follow him on the road to the point where Native Americans, when they, in, in some tribes, when someone has become a Christian, they refer to that as he is taking the Jesus road. And that really follows what Romans 6 is talking about. We notice in here what she read, past tense, we have been buried, we have been raised, we are in a new life. All facts, all done, all real. We came alive in Christ, but then something else also happened. It wasn't just about forgiveness. It wasn't about joining a church. God adds us to the church. It's more than that. The part of us that ate the apple, and I know, don't write me, we don't know what kind of fruit it was, right? We're saying apple because I don't like always saying we don't know what kind of fruit it was, all right? Allow me just to do some poetic license. I'm sure I have that license somewhere. But the part of us that ate the fruit, ate the apple in the garden, died. In fact, he says, our old man was crucified, with Christ, was. Now, crucifixion was a very hard, inefficient way of killing somebody. It was a highly efficient way of terrorizing everybody. And that's what it was for. It really wasn't for killing. It was for terrorizing, keeping people in control. And people died during it, but that wasn't the big point that the Romans had. And so why did Paul use the word, we have crucified our old self. I think it's because it's not a singular event. It takes time. We are always fighting our old fruit-eating nature, the judging issue. We have now engaged in a jailbreak. We are free from our sins of chains, our chains of sin rather. That's all in here too, often missed. But we, we now don't need the chains anymore. We're not under them. One of those chains is the constant felt need to judge right and wrong. 
the constant burden of having to judge right and wrong. And there are some people that you might think, well, they, they, they seem to take great pleasure in it. Yes, but tell them that they can't and watch how miserable they become because it has become their drug. They are addicted to it. And some churches feed that addiction by pushing us to declare what is right and wrong in our eyes or in the eyes of the community. But being under obligation to name what is right and what is good and what is evil is exhausting. And you never get it right. And it seems we never finish. My dear mother, a little Irish lady, force of nature, so she is. She is uh, who I'd like to grow up to be, except at the, the meal table. When I go down to the assisted living center where she lives, other people of that age, shall we say, in her age bubble, also gather around the table. And they don't just solve the world's problems, they also declare right and wrong, constantly. You know what's wrong with the world today? So when those kids start listening to those cassette tapes, you know, you're going, all right, um, we've moved on. But actually several, go ahead, tell me. And just let it go. And they'll tell you who's right in politics and who's right where. And they will even judge people at the other tables because that's the only entertainment they've got. And I will often pull my mom aside later and say, Mom, you know, we really don't need to do that. Well, she goes, well, we're just talking. I'm going, well, you know, fair enough. If you didn't join in, you would be a very quiet person. Uh, at the, you'd be the only quiet person there. And I get it. But that's not just there. I've gone to Christian universities, and whenever they hold a lectureship, it seems like what we're going to do now is one guy after another says what's wrong and what's right. Instead of talking about, as our friend Violet told us, just about Jesus. Just talk about Jesus. You might wonder, well, well what, shouldn't we then you talk about what is right and what is wrong? Talk about Jesus. And, and if you need a secular illustration, I can give you some. The United States Secret Service has several jobs. Um, one of its jobs is to protect the president, but uh, one of its jobs is also to make sure that counterfeit uh, currency does not devalue our dollar. But people at treasury agents and secret service agents don't study counterfeits. Never. They study the real money. And they study the real money because you don't need to study the counterfeits if you know the real stuff so well that as soon as you touch it or see it, you know if it's not. Instead of standing up and saying, right, you know, you, you kids back there, no, there'll be no having fun. <laughs> you know, you're not going to be doing this. You're not going to be doing that. You're not going to be doing this. And here's the things you got to do. No, instead, let's just tell Jesus stories. And then when somebody comes along and makes a judgment, you're going to know, as Jesus said, my sheep know the sound of my voice. And you're going to go, did that sound like Jesus? Or did it not? When we're baptized into Christ, we're free from having to spend our time and emotional energy on things like judgment. I um, avoid haircuts because it costs money, but when I get them, I, I go to a place that has sports on constantly because it's supposed to look like we're all guys here in the locker, even though the women are cutting hair. 
And it is an incessant argument on every screen. Oh, this is how so-and-so is going to play at this event. Now, they shouldn't have traded this person here. And they'll go at each other. And I'm going, everything they're upset about will be completely insignificant tomorrow. It's ephemera. You're getting wound up over... And I know that the wound up is part of the pay package. I get that. But you're getting wound up over things that tomorrow are over and done and forgotten. And then it hits me, how many times have I done the same? How many times? We, uh, it can go deep. On a plane once, a young lady came and sat down. I was on an aisle seat here. She was an aisle seat one ahead of me. And, and I watch people because I have a license. Um, you know, I used to be a shrink, so it's part of our uh, you know, enjoyment. I don't watch and judge. I just kind of like to see the different varieties that God has made. And what she was doing was very unusual. She pulled out this big pack of magazines. I was soon purchased in the airport. And all of them were about the celebrity news type things. Us and we and people and that sort of thing. Now, fine. That's really not that unusual. Except she was studying them. Now, it could have been that this was her job that media was her job. Uh, and so I'm not trying to, to, I'm just, I'm relating facts, not a judgment here. But I mean, she was in it and she'd go back and forth and cross-reference and she'd pull out, I've never seen anybody study things like that before. And then she pulled out Soap Opera Digest. <laughs> you can buy it. It's in the shops. Soap Opera Digest. That's gossip about people that don't exist. <laughs> when do we pull up and say, right, we're done. We're done now. We don't, we don't care. For some reason, Facebook sends me news things I might want to watch. They don't know me. It's obvious. This week, one of them was, here's a timeline of all the Kardashians' weddings. <laughs> and I'm going, exactly. When you look at Patrick, that's the first thing you think of him. <laughs> what? But that shows me some people, enough people are interested that they can push that and hit enough people. You know, when we separate from sin and join ourselves to Jesus, baptism is absolutely a part of that. And then, by the way, if you're out there and you'd like to be baptized, you let us know. You can write me personally, patrick at rsafeharbor.com. We will find a way to get to you, even in North Dakota, which is the only state that hasn't checked in yet. Still, 24 nations got around to it. Some of them don't even have 24-hour electricity. But anyway, we assume you need extra baptisms up there. We will find a way to get to you. We need to monitor our thoughts. We need to monitor our reflection. Re our um, reflexive responses to who and what we see. We are now, according to Paul, walking with Christ and acting like Christ, the one who forgave the men who were crucifying him while they were crucifying him, the man who turned to a thief on the cross and made sure the thief was comforted knowing it got better and he was going to paradise. 
the man who made sure that the young man who had run back and forth, he was kind of with Jesus, kind of not during this whole thing, would be there to take care of his mother. Walking like Jesus means we don't do what you expect. Most of us, if we were on a cross, would be far too focused on self to have done any of this. And Paul says, if you're following this rabbi, if you were baptized into him, this is how you walk. You do things this way. Paul put it, he said, don't be drunk with wine, but be drunk with the Spirit. And he was actually trying to make a a simile there that as just as when you see somebody drunk, they are acting nonsensical. We are to be so much followers of Jesus that the world looks at us and goes, what? When a madman entered an Amish school and butchered and killed a lot of Amish little boys and girls a couple of decades ago, the most shocking thing was that immediately the Amish gathered and forgave him and took food to his family, knowing that they were suffering. And I, I walked around like a lot of you are right now doing, thinking, could I have done that, could I have done it, and keep hearing, nope, 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 nope. What was it about them that made them ready to do this? I want that. I want to walk like Jesus. There are, this is what church is supposed to be. That, what, what we saw in that forgiveness, that's what it's supposed to be. That's supposed to, to bring, that's what the word church is supposed to bring to mind. That's how it's supposed to work. And sometimes it does. I can remember coming home once and Cammy asked me how things were when I went to the shop and I said, I met a Christian at Walmart. She goes, who, are, who was it? I said, I don't know. I just know they were a Christian. We had the same event, uh, the same thing happened uh, this week in our house when somebody came to fix a piece of our furniture and immediately began to speak of Jesus and Cammie, you know, texted me up because we, we've been married a long time. We don't talk, but she texted. I was down. So I came up and he was full of Jesus and full of joy and couldn't wait to talk about Jesus. So sometimes when you say church and Christian, that's what comes to mind, and that's a good thing. But other people, other people, I'm sorry, but Christians spent so much time this last week judging each other very harshly after the horrific tragedy of the Buffalo murders. It was all over Twitter, one side saying, well, you're all, and, and Christians saying, you know, we just have to admit that we're all guilty here. And another one going, no, we're not. Another one going, well, you're all racist. And these are Christians attacking each other. But to be honest, that's the way they do every week about everything. When we say Christian, what's coming to mind in the world? To most, Christ, to most people, church is just thought of as a building. Where people gather once or twice a week in a large group. The people have very little connection with somebody in another pew or even down the pew from where they're sitting. And contact outside the church walls is very limited, but that's our church. And that's so sad. It's tragic. The community of Christ is supposed to be living, the living embodiment of the one who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here's a quote from Gregory Boyd from his book, Repenting of Religion. In Christ, we are the recipients of the eternal, unsurpassable love the Father has for the Son, And we participate in the internal, unpassable love the Son has for the Father. As a fellowship created and sustained by the Holy Spirit, we are made participants of the divine nature. 
we are radically transformed by this participation. And as we yield to the reality of who we are in Christ, notice, Dr. Boyd here isn't saying who you should be. Romans chapter 6 says we're there. Now act like it. You're already there. Who we are in Christ. Christ is formed in us individually and collectively. We are the prism that reflects the radiant light of the Trinity. Does that sound better than your experience? I receive notes every single week from people saying they feel more connected at our safe harbor than they did when they used to go to brick and mortar. And while I'm very glad, and I'm super glad that you feel connected here, I understand the pain that is, um, that, that you're saying, that you were going to a place and never really connected, and you thought you'd connected, but you weren't connected. I can remember churches making spreadsheets of saying, all right, we're on COVID lockdown. We need to make sure we look after all our old people. You know, every week they need a call. I got one call. I was on the old people when anybody over 60. So there's my group. I get winded scrolling down from my age group online. You know, taking forever. I got one call. Then they got tired. They stopped. That's often been the experience of brick and mortar churches. We're trying to make sure that doesn't happen here. When Misha assigns you a prayer warrior, she checks with them, are you making contact? Are you making sure they know you're there? That's, um, we're trying to look more like our Jesus. According to scripture, and I have to state it again, this is our reality now. We are like Jesus, so act like you are. We're already reflections of the image of Christ. And we're going to have to put off the old self and put on the new self. But we're already in Christ. Well, what does that mean? It means we're living sacrifices. And you know what the biggest problem with the living sacrifice is? It keeps crawling off the altar. And all of a sudden, you're looking over here going, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be there. I need to go back over there. It'll be a constant corrective. Think of as you're driving. You're driving, and, and when kids get behind a play steering wheel, they, they, they saw that thing back and forth. But you know as you're driving, it is a constant readjustment. Never ends. Constant readjustment. I got to drive through the deep Appalachian Mountains in eastern Kentucky and in West Virginia this week. And as I was going, I was thinking, you know, this is a lot harder work than driving through, let's say, northwest Ohio, where there's nothing. It's straight. Well, there's construction, but there are no, you don't have to do that. But it's a constant. There are days in my life where my life is like driving through the Appalachians, the corrections I have to make on my attitude, my tongue, my activity, my money. And there are other days where it seemed to sail, for, but it's not a driverless car yet. Our life needs to be always under adjustment. But it's all summed up in love. And I ask you, if you've not been following the lessons, to go back and see that the centrality of love was, yes, in the Old Testament too. Last week's lesson has taken off a bit, and go, go look at it. And then see how God worked us toward love. How God consistently bent the moral arc 
of the world toward love and freedom and grace, even when many good and very religious people were completely wrong about what God said or wanted. And he kept bending them toward love. We'll, we'll go into more depth on some of these things I'm about to say in a later sermon. But I want to give us each an assignment, a challenge. That was in a newsletter too, um, letting you know it, it was coming. I want to give you a well-marked task for you to set yourself to. I want you to make judgments for yourself and be content with that. If you've ever wondered how soaked with the fruit of Eden you are, this will reveal it. Are you able to make decisions for yourself and make statement of fact for yourself without expecting others to agree or even react at all? Can you refrain from making decisions for others or reacting in judgment to their decisions? Believe it or not, this is a command in Scripture. In Romans chapter 14, which is one of Paul's longest sustained arguments, Romans chapter 14 verse 1 to 15 verse 7 is one argument. And right in the middle, Romans 14, 22, he speaks about religious fights that were all-encompassing at the time. And he says, whatever you think about such matters, keep it to yourself. And thus did Paul kill the internet. Now, please note, there is a right and a wrong. Jesus lays some of that out for us, and we will absolutely go there later in the sermon series. We can all see the murders in Buffalo and say that was wrong. We can all see the war in Ukraine and say that was wrong. But what we can't do is judge the causes, judge the hearts of those involved. That's not our job. Our job is to love the victims and the shooter. To love the broken families and to love the parents of the shooter. Our job is to love. And yes, in your own heart, inside, you can draw lines, but I do suggest you have a big eraser in the other hand. So, if you don't know how this works, ask yourself. What happens? What happens if you're sitting at the table and they're talking about what they did, you know, on their vacation, like, and they look over at you and say, well, have you ever done this? And you, and you just say something like, no, I don't dance. Do people go, oh, factoid about Patrick. Most of the time, people feel a little uneasy if they were just talking about dancing. They wonder, does Patrick disapprove? Spoiler alert, nope. Patrick's British. Doesn't end well when I try. Everybody assumes I'm having a fit. They're trying to put a spoon in my mouth, which is medically unnecessary. Uh, anyway, I, no, I'm, I don't, I'm not interested in it. Well, wait a minute. My kid dances and they work really hard. You see what we do? We defend. I'm going, yeah, it's a great talent. Many things are that I don't do. Can you just hear information without responding? Think of... Um, well, recently we got to stay at a friend's cabin in Colorado and the men were talking fishing. 
which evidently in America has no G on the end. That's all I'm saying, because it was fishing the entire time. So I'm going, all right, they don't need the G. They dropped the U out of a lot of words already, these people. Anyway, and they were getting their gear. Do you want to go fishing? I went, no. They said, don't you like fishing? See what, what happens? Wait, we fish. You do not. Therefore, there is, there's a battle line. That's right. And they're going, don't you like fishing? And I went, no. And one guy goes, do you, do you like fish? And I went, yeah. But you don't like fishing. It seemed hard to get the concept. I said, no. Because stores sell fish. I can just get it. I also like hamburgers, but I don't shoot cows. And they took this as, a, as if I were saying, you're wasting your time. This is stupid. No, I just made a statement about I don't fish. And that was looked upon. My father-in-law, God bless him, he tried. We were first married. He would even take me out. There's no way to say no because they're Texans. They're huge. And, you know, I'm not afraid of them. I'll look them straight in the belt buckle. But, um, <laughs> I'd, and I wouldn't go. Or I went, actually. And then he stopped inviting me because I would just go sit on the bank with a book saying, enjoy that. And he would say, well, what if a fish? Got I said, well, I'm assuming you can handle that. This is what you do. Or what if I say, I, I just really can't stand feta or blue cheese. Do that at lunch. See what happens. People are, well, I love it. I, I wasn't asking for that information. I was just giving you a little bit of me. I, don't, I like to eat stuff that I can tell when it, it's off. That's, that's all. Or what if I say I have no, well, as you know here, when I say I'm a dog guy and don't, really like cats. What happened? Oh, the cat people. They got catty. There's a, you see, nobody gets doggy. Nobody. See? I'm not anti-cat. It's just, no, I, no, I, I want something which is genetically predetermined to always like me. So I'm, I'm more of a dog guy. Or what if I say I don't care for gardening? Oh my goodness. You see what I'm saying? Whenever you just say something about yourself, people draw battle lines. Stop doing that. You don't need to draw the lines. What if I state my likes? I like science. People go, Ugh. or I like some music, or I like military history, or I like quiet. Quiet is good. I like quiet. And I've had, I had people this week doing a medical convention. And I'm up, when people are seeing me, I'm doing 90 minutes at a time. Because they don't let you have breaks on CMUs and CEUs. You've got you to gotta really throw the information in. And people would come up in the 15 minutes I had to go in a corner and go, <gasps> before going to the next one. They, they want to talk more. They're getting all energized. And I, I told one group, I said, you know, I'm really an introvert. I need a moment to... And they looked upon that as... I don't like extroverts. Well, we like, well, we like people. And I'm going, well, I do too. I love people over there. <laughs> we, it, was, it was interesting. All I had to do was say I'm an introvert, and it was immediately, well. And again, they settled. They had to. I'm teaching in classes. If you say you like something or you don't like something, what happens? I can remember being 
in a room with some of my peers in age, and we were being unsupervised, and there came out the alcohol. And again, as soon as I say that, people are going, is he going to say you can't have... This is an illustration of underage people. And they started passing it around, got to me, and went, no thanks. Now, the rest of them said, isn't that interesting? Because he made up his mind, and he's drawn his lines. This is very... You know they didn't. (laughs) As soon as I drew a line, what did they do? They looked upon that as an attack on them, because I'd made a different decision. They, they went at me. <laughs> they didn't know me, but they went at me. And I can remember finally they thought they'd get, are you afraid? No, I don't do fear. What's wrong? You think you know, your parents are going to find out? There's nothing for them to find out. And then one person looked at me and goes, you're just afraid to make your own decision. And I went, I just did. Did you miss this conversation? It's been going for a while. I've, um, I don't know why. I don't, don't really fit in. <laughs> what happens if you state your passions and they don't match those around? We feel shock. We feel disappointed. We feel the need to correct the other one. You can even say, well, I'm going to go to the beach. And the other guy goes, yeah, I just don't like going to the beach. What happens? Wow. Here are a list of the positives. You ever heard of skin cancer, dude? And it starts. I, um, Paul says, and Jesus there's no need to even bring it up. What you think about these things? Let people say who they are and don't judge them. And who you are, and Paul even went further, in Galatians, he said, don't, anybody let, don't let anybody judge you over this when you make your decision. And I've told the story before, so I'm not going to go into any depth here, but about my dear friend Albert Brown from Scotland. Um, who, and I, he knows I tell the story. Uh, he flew across to see me when we had just moved back to the States. And uh, you know, he gets off and he, he's saying, uh, do you like, you know, he flew, I forget, we're, we're going to say British Airways. Do you like them better than Delta then? And I'm going, I don't really, you know, safe landing. I'm good. You know, I'm fine. And then we, we got out and he, we hopped in a car and I had to tell him, no, get out because that's where I sit in this country. And uh, he, he went, oh, do you, do you prefer driving left-hand side, right-hand side? I said, you know, for me, it's country dependent. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm fine. Whatever the general consensus is. So we got, got and he's, well, you like, he, he saw the card. He goes, so you like this better than a Ford then? And I'm going, well, no, this is the one I could get. You know, so we go home, we walk in, and he's, he's, always, he's always this or that, this or that. And sat down, turned on the telly, and he goes, do you, like, uh, do you like British TV better than American TV? Turned it off. I said, Albert, it's possible to not have an opinion. And God is my witness. He said, so you think that's better than the... <laughs> Can you hear another express an opinion that you can't understand and still be at peace with it? not feel threatened by it, not even feel the need to say anything about it. Can we stop defending and stop offending? Can we merely speak and limit ourselves from going further? That's going to be a challenge. But that's exactly what Jesus told us he wanted. 
in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, when he said, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. But whatever comes next, he says, comes from the evil one. Now, I've looked up and my time's out, but I'm going to still take some more time. Because food doesn't get here till 11, anyway, or 11.15, so, you know, we got time. Don't panic, I won't go that far. Maybe. Here's an illustration. I happen to like broccoli, so this is an illustration. It is not a reality or an event. Let's say that I hate broccoli. And I've made that known to my dear sweet wife. She makes the meals because I can't. We've discovered this, so has various fire departments. So she makes, she makes the dinner. I come home, there's the plate, there's broccoli on it. Hmm, I have several options. Best one is to eat the broccoli. Now, if she then says, do you like your meal? I have still several options. I can say that I really appreciate how much she cares. And I, I can even go further and say, you know I don't care for broccoli, but I know it's good for me, so thanks for wanting me to stay around longer. Or I could say, I don't like broccoli. You're like your mother. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're in a new place. <laughs> Jesus said, don't do this. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Don't let it go beyond that. Because if you go further, you go too far. Amen. What a challenge, Christians. Amen. Are you ready for it? It's going to be hard. A wonderful little book written back in the 80s, I believe, called Surfing the Himalayas. A man was on what we would today just call an elongated snowboard coming off one of the Himalaya mountains. And as he's picking up speed and dramatic speed at that, he looks and he sees something moving along his path. As he zips closer, he realizes that's a saffron robe. That's a Buddhist priest. And there was no way he could turn. You, you, you can't turn when you're going a certain speed. They collided, rolled down. As they're getting themselves out of the snow, he goes over. He is so mortified at what he had done. He's apologizing, and, and the Buddhist priest is just, he's not happy, but he's just waving him away. And he goes, there's no need to apologize for what is inevitable. He just walked on. I'm going, all right, dude, first of all, that's really cool. little Calvinist for a Buddhist, but still cool. All right, fair enough. But I want to have the attitude of, no, you don't need to apologize. We both exist, and we were both walking in the same place. We bumped. That's it. That's all. It means nothing. Enjoy your life. Instead of, no, I'm not letting them in. This is my road now. No. Are we able to hear challenges and charges and merely respond with love and an offer to serve? Yes. We are able to because we are already united with Christ. You already have the power. Go ahead and bring your team up if you would, Misha. Oh, it's not you yet. That's right. It's giving first. Is that correct? Yeah. We're going to, then you can bring them up during the giving. That makes more sense. First mistake I've ever made. <laughs> Happened right in front of people. We are already united with Christ. You've already got the power. The only open question is, are we going to act like people full of forbidden fruit? Or are we going to act like the children of God we are?
Good morning. I'm one of the green dots. <laughs>